1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you're, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came to, and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair. I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine, hello, will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Now we're going to drop now to verse 45. David said to the Philistine, and notice that David said to Saul, now David said to the Philistine, and what we say is very important. And what we say matters. And there will always, number one, be Saul's that will try to talk you out of what God has for you. And number two, there will always be giants that try to discourage you. And you're going to have to talk to both of them. Look at your neighbor and say, talk to both of them. Talk to, talk to both of them. Okay, so David said to the Philistine, you come against me with the sword and spear and javelin. I, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Now, just notice what David's doing. He's declaring a desired outcome. And it is important, especially as we begin a year, but it is important for your life. You, you, you are the number one prophetic voice in your own life. You have to declare your desired outcome. David didn't go, you know, I might win, I might not win, but... Here goes nothing. No, he, he declares what he is expecting. He's declaring what he's believing God for. He's declaring what he desires. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that this was not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, but the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Uh, last week, I preached that walls still fall, and I want to preach uh, for a few moments this morning from the idea, um, giants still fall. Giants still fall. Anybody ready for this word? Can you draw it out of me a little bit? Can we have a little bit of church today at the beginning of the year? Giants giants still fall. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for these moments we share. Lord, I'm just so grateful that, that in moments like this, one verse, one idea, one, one song lyric, one prayer can literally change the trajectory of our life. I'm, I'm praying, Holy Spirit, speak to us. We are listening and we are attentive to your word. And we thank you that one word from God can change our entire life. Thank you, Lord, today. No one is here by accident that you've brought us to this moment at this time. In the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone said amen. 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 Thank you, Zach. So we, we looked at this last week um, in Numbers chapter 13. Moses has taken the children of Israel out of Egypt. 
They're now in the wilderness, and they are about to inherit their promised land. And in Numbers chapter 13, the Bible says they're on the banks of the river. They're on the banks of the Jordan. They're about to inherit everything God has promised them. God said, I'm going to give you a land. It's going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. It is a good land. It is a good place. Uh, yes, it does have enemies. Yes, it does have giants. But it is, it is my promise to you. And God does have a promise for you. God has a promised land for you. God has a, a promised place for you and your family and your future. God, God has something destined for you. And, and the Bible says that when they saw the promised land, there was a group of spies that went into the promised land and they came back with an evil report. They're, they're staring at their promise, calling it evil. They're staring at the good thing God has for them, calling it evil. They're, they're staring at the thing that God promised them, but they cannot see the possibility. They can only see the problem. So they, they come back, and God says, they, they've spoken evil of my land. And, and here's their evil report. There's fortified cities, there's walls, there's giants, and the land devours its people. And so last week we talked about walls, today we're going to talk about giants, and then next week we'll talk about the land, and I'm really excited about that. But, but they come and they, they say there's giants in the land, and therefore we cannot obtain what God has for us. Now again, Hebrews chapter 3 tells us that it wasn't the walls, let's check this out, it wasn't the giants, and it wasn't the land. What, what was the reason that they could not inherit their promised land. We see that they were not able to enter into his rest, the promised land, because of unbelief and an unwillingness to trust God. So it's not that there weren't walls, there weren't giants, or, or the land was not intimidating. It was that they had more faith in their enemy than they did in God. They had more trust in their circumstances than they did in God. They, they were more amazed by what they could see with these eyes and what they could see with the eyes of faith. And when they saw their promised land, they cursed it and they spoke evil of it because every promised land, I just got to tell you this, you, you don't get a promised land without giants. You don't get a promised land without battles. You don't, get a, you don't get what God has for you without the enemy trying to stop you. But the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you can inherit everything God has for you. Yes, there will be giants, but they will fall. Yes, there will be walls, but they will fall. Yes, there will be intimidating moments in your life, but nothing can stand before the people of God if we will choose to believe him and if we will choose to trust him. So, so a giant is this thing that rises up. It's a sign to, to discourage you, to distract you, to to, to detour you from inheriting all of the promises of God in your life. It's, it's something that rises up that seems so big and seems impossible to win. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, God can give you the victory. Now, here's the amazing thing about when giants fall. When David conquered his Goliath, he got promoted. He received elevation. Uh, he received financial breakthrough. He received favor. There is usually some type of battle in your life that you'll have to fight, but on the other side of it is guaranteed promotion. And many people never go higher in their walk with God because they choose to ignore their giant their entire life. So it's like, if I don't see them, they don't see me, and we're just, we're going to be cool. You're going to be cool, but you're never going to be elevated. 
to what God has for you. And like I've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times with friends of mine who are preachers, they usually deal with a giant that they, they will not conquer, they will not confront, they end up losing their families, they end up losing their ministries, all these things, because they end up living with a secret giant that God has destined them to conquer, that God has destined them to have victory over, but they've decided to live with their giant instead of kill their giant. And I just want to tell you, if you want to live with your giants, you can, but there is something so much better. It is called freedom. It is called deliverance. It is called victory. And in the midst of circumstance and in the midst of life being life, you can have victory in Jesus. So, so I, want to, I want to show you this today, and, and you've had to face giants, I've had to face giants, many of us are facing giants, but there's things in the text that will help us to, to see the victory that God has for us. Here's, here's the first one, you have to fix your focus. Fix your focus. Um, David begins to talk to all the different warriors there in chapter 17, and Here's what they say. Um, have, have you seen the giant? This is their phrase. Have you seen the giant? Have you seen the giant? This is, this is where their faith is at. Have you heard this giant? Because he comes out every, every morning and every night and he curses the people of God. So, so have, you, have you seen and have you heard? This is their focus. Their, their focus is on Goliath, their focus is on the giant, and because of it, it's paralyzing them. Listen, fear will paralyze you. And you have to be very careful of what you focus on in life, especially in seasons like we're in 2020, 2021, welcome to 2022, praise the Lord, where we can get frozen by fear and never make a move because of what we've decided to focus on. Listen, you're not going to have spiritual victory if you wake up every morning. The first thing you do is you grab your phone and you see what the news is telling you. Because it's all bad. And I don't care who you listen to. It could be The Hill. It could be CNN. It could be Fox News. It could be, it doesn't, it, it could be Independent. It could be Ben Shapiro. It doesn't matter who it is. Bad news sells. I've, I've joked about this before. You're never going to turn on the news and there's Anderson Cooper going, I just want to show you this kitten that we rescued this morning. It's just, we just wanted to start your day off with a play. No, it's always bad. So if, if that's what you fix your focus on, now I'm not saying deny what's going on. I'm not saying you shouldn't be informed. I'm just saying we are now obsessed did you read this? Did you watch this? Did you see what this said? Did you see that post? Did you read this? Did you see that? Did you do? And all we're, all we're doing is eating and ingesting bad news. And then we wonder why we're afraid. We wonder why we're scared. We wonder why we live with anxiety. We wonder why we can't sleep at night. Have you seen the giant? Have you seen the, have you heard the giant? Have you seen what's going on? Have you seen what they're saying about 2022? Have you seen? Have you heard? Have you seen? Have you heard? You got to fix your focus. Here, here's the amazing thing. They're calling Goliath the giant. I, I love David. He never calls him a giant, and he never calls him by name. I love this. David never says Goliath, and David never says you're a giant. Here's what David calls him in verse 36. An uncircumcised Philistine. 
I don't know why he had to go there, but he had to go there. <laughs> I'm going to show you why he went there. I, if you could, if, I don't want to be crude. I don't want to be crude. But I have a gift. But I don't want to be crude. <sighs> but I have a gift of saying bad things, but here we go anyway. For 40 days and 40 nights, all Israel could see was the height of Goliath and hear the voice of Goliath and, and, and see the skill of Goliath. For four, all they're doing is their focus is on all of this. And I'm, not, I'm honestly not trying to be rude, but, but David comes in and he doesn't look at all of this. He looks at this. <laughs> they see his strength. David sees his weakness. What? <laughs> Why are y'all being so bad at the beginning of the year? Here's my point. Circumcision was a sign of covenant with God. It was the covenant sign of the people of God. Here's what David says. I know he's big. I know he's, a, I know he's trained. I know he's tall. I know he's loud. I know he's well-versed. I know he's a great warrior, but we have a covenant advantage. We have what he does not have. I have a covenant with Almighty God. He's not in covenant with God. So give me a covenant with God over skill. Give me a covenant with God over size. Give me a covenant with God over training. I have what he does not have. I have the yes of heaven behind me. I have the God of the angel armies behind me. I have the protection of Almighty God. I may not have what he has, but I have something greater than he has. In the natural, I don't stand a chance. But because I have a covenant with Almighty God, nothing shall be impossible because God said I will always honor my covenant. So, so their eyes are fixed on this giant, but 2 Corinthians 4.18 says we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what, what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Listen, I can't always help what I see, but I can choose what I fix my eyes on. And I'm, I'm telling you, this is a... This is a battle of focus. We are in a battle of focus. What will we choose to focus on? Because if you will choose to keep your eyes on what you cannot see, which is eternal, there will always be victory. There will always be faith. I didn't say there would never be giants. I just said there would always be victory. I didn't say there would never be circumstances. There would just always be victory because my eyes are on the unshakable kingdom of God. So in the spirit, he had the advantage because he had a covenant and you have a covenant with God. Psalm 89 verse 34 says, no, I will not break my covenant. I will not take back a single word I've said. And we see that Jesus in Luke chapter 22, verse 20, he, he cut covenant with us on the cross. It is his new covenant that we're in. God is a God of covenant. We are his covenant people because of the cross. 
And yes, there are many giants, and yes, there are many walls, and yes, there are many issues going on in our world, but I have a covenant with Almighty God, and my faith is in what he said. He would not take back his word. He will not break his covenant, and I rest assured that he will not fail. you got to fix your focus. This is a big reason why we fast, by the way, because fasting fixes my focus. I take my eyes off of social media. I take my eyes off of TV. I take my eyes off of all these distractions. I get into the word. I pray more than usual. I read more than usual. I seek God more than usual. I listen to worship music, and I fix my focus, and I, and I recenter my life around what really matters and not around what can change literally by the day. This is why I want to encourage you for 10 days to fast with us, to seek God with us, to get your, even, even the focus of, of not eating meat and sugar and alcohol and focusing, even, even that reminder of eating those vegetables, it's a reminder that, that I'm doing something different this year. I'm doing something in the natural that is going to bear fruit in the spiritual. Huh. Fix your focus. Number two. Rehearse God's faithfulness. Rehearse God's faithfulness. Here, here's why I can fight this uncircumcised Philistine salt, because I've, um, I've fought the lion, and I've fought the bear. And God delivered me from the paw of the lion, and God delivered me from the paw of the bear. And if he did that, then I know what he will do. Because if I ever need a picture of what God will do in my future, I have to look back on what God has done. When I cannot see in my present, when I don't even have faith for where I'm going, when I've lost all hope, I have to look back for a moment. And I have to remind myself of the times God delivered me from the lion. I have to remind myself of the times God delivered me from the bear. I have to remind myself of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And all of a sudden, my faith begins to grow because of what God has already done in my life. He rehearsed what God had done. He reminded himself of God's faithfulness, and he told the story of God's power. And here's my reminder to you. If he did it before, come on, somebody, he can do it again. And if God's done it once, he can do it a second time because God doesn't run out of strength. Isaiah 41 says he's the everlasting God. God doesn't do one thing one time and never again. If he did it, he can do it. And if he did it, he's probably still doing it. And if God has ever done a work in your life, if he did it once, he can do it again. So my faith is in what God has done. My faith is in what God has promised. And while I'm waiting on my miracle, while I'm believing God for this giant to fall, while I'm waiting for my future, I'm going to choose to rehearse what God has already done in my life. Life, and that's going to give me the faith and the hope and the foundation for where God's taking me. See, um, uh, this year, here's what a lot of people do. We, we like to write down our little, little prayer goals, right? We go to our little notes app and we write down, I'm believing God for this. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, we write down some goals. We write down some faith declaration. We write down some promises. And I mean, we want to do this this year. We want to do that this year. We want to, and, and all of that's great. All of it's great. Get you a prayer list. For these 10 days of prayer and fast, get you a prayer list. Get you a little goal list for 2022. Love it. Happy with all that? Awesome. If you write it down, you have a better chance of doing it? Awesome. 
But I want you to write down something else. I want you to write down a little testimony list. I need you to write down maybe three, five, ten things that God has ever done in your life. Now, you might need to go back all the way to like 1984. You might have to pull back from the 90s. Some of y'all might need to go back to the 60s or 70s. I don't know when it was, but you have to write down some things that God has done in your life. So that while you're asking him to do this thing, you are reminded of what God has already done. You got to write down some lion testimonies. You got to write down some bear testimonies. You got to write down some things God has done. Those times God spoke to you. Those times God delivered you. Those times God answered your prayer. Those times that God led you. Those times that God healed you. And you got to write that down so you have something. And here's what I would submit to you. That if you will go through your little praise list of what God has already done, you may never even get over to your prayer list because you're going to be so grateful for all God's already done. You're just going to tell God, God, if you did this, I think you're going to do this. So... I'm good. Anybody have a story of God's faithfulness? Anyone have a lion or a bear? Anyone have something where, man, God saw me through? Look at this in Joshua chapter 4. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come. Now, oh, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Sorry, I didn't mean to tell you that, but I do. Got a little, a little chill bump. God says, Joshua, while you're taking the land, every time I do a miracle for you, he says this. He says, build an altar. Build a place of worship. And you're going to worship there. And when you're done, leave it. Because future generations, they're going to come to you and they're going to go, hey, dad, hey, mom. What does this mean to you? Mom, I saw you crying during that song. What did that song mean to you? I saw the preacher preach and everyone else was clapping, but but you were sobbing. What, What did that mean to you? Other people were quiet, but you started shouting and speaking in tongues and clapping and you what did that mean? What did that mean to you? Why? Why did that? It, why, why did we go to church? What does church mean to you? Why did? Why does that? Why is that scripture all over our house? What does that mean to you? And and you'll tell them. Watch this. You you'll, you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. God said, "I want you to create altars." Somebody say, "Build an altar." A little more strength, say build an altar. I want to challenge you to build an altar in your car in 2022. I want to challenge you to build an altar in your home in 2022. I want to challenge you to build an altar on your way to work in 2022. I want to challenge you to build places of worship, places of reminders, places where you remember what God has done. Because if you're not careful, you will forget. The book of Proverbs actually warns that when you see memorial places, do not move them and do not touch them. Because if we're not careful, our unbelief will get involved again and we'll forget what God has done and we'll, we'll block out of our memory the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God and we'll start walking around acting like God's never done anything in our life. And God says, don't you dare remove the altars. Don't you dare remove the memorial stones because this is going to be your story to your children. When your children come to you and say, what did that mean? You can look at your children and say, baby, our, our marriage, we thought it was over. The 
counselors said give up. Our friends and family said to quit. We were sleeping in separate bedrooms. We didn't love each other anymore. We didn't even like each other anymore. We thought it was over. We were about to sign the papers. But God, we, we began to pray and we began to fast and we began to go back to the word and... And God put our, our marriage back together. Uh, baby, this is, this is 2020 and 2021 and, well, here we are, 2022. And we're all wearing masks. And it was terrible. And there was this virus going around. And we thought we were going to give up. We thought it was over. We thought our business was going to die. We didn't know how we were going to make it. We didn't know how God was going to do it. We didn't know how we were going to be sustained through that season. But God got us through that. God saw us through that valley. God was good to us. God was faithful to us. God protected us in the midst of that, of that fiery trial. I, baby, this is the addiction that I thought I was going to live with forever. We thought for, for the rest of my life, I was going to have to deal with that addiction. I thought I was going to have to deal with that anger. I thought I was going to have to deal with that secret. I thought I was going to have to deal with that issue. But God, but God, but God, I cry because of what God's done. I shout because of what God's done. I lift my hands because of what God's done. I, I sing off key because of what God's done. I fast because of what God's done. I tithe because of what, has God done anything for anybody? Does anybody have a stone of remembrance? Does anybody have an altar that they can pass on to their children and say, life has not been easy. Life has not been perfect. I've had to face hell and high water, but God. And I refuse to move these stones. I refuse to forget what God has done. I refuse to get cold and calloused about the things of God. I've got a story to tell. And God says, you have to tell this to the next generation. You have to tell your story to your children. Revelation chapter 12 says this, they overcame the devil. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. You got to tell your story to your children. You got to become a preacher to your kids. Hallelujah. You got to tell them what God's done. And while you're waiting on God to do something, you rehearse what he's already done. I want to challenge you over these next 10 days. Only worship music. You might just get hooked. You might never go back. I was telling a friend the other day, I said, I try to listen to rap music about every three months. <laughs> and it's all you guys are cool and you all know these songs and these lyrics and I want to be cool. So I'll be out in our garage, in our little garage gym, and I'll just put on, like, top 100, whatever. Oh, my Lord, Jesus. A Nazareth. I've never heard such things. I'm, like, shook. Like, I can't even believe we listen to this. Anyway, that's for a different topic, but maybe, maybe get rid of some of that. I've told you the story right the first time I heard that, that WAP song. Y'all remember that? I was golfing with friends, and they just had a playlist running. And the song starts, and all of a sudden, my buddy starts running towards the golf cart. Turn the music off. Pastor's here. Turn it off. 
I said, what is it? They go, no, 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 Pastor, Pastor. They're trying to turn it off. I said, let it play. I've heard about this song. Let it play. I mean, we got four lyrics. And I said, oh, my God, I plead the blood of Jesus over me and my whole household. I couldn't believe. I thought, where did you learn to say these words, woman? We had to put on worship music the rest of the speaking in tongues. How about, how about just for 10 days, we just rehearse the promises of God. We just get songs like that that we were just listening to. Christ is my firm foundation. We just listen to it over. You listen to it till the wheels fall off. You listen to it till you know every, every lyric till it gets real to you. He won't fail me. He won't fail me till you know it. Not just, not just with your mind, but you know it with your spirit. Thirdly, thirdly, declare the promise. Declare the promise. So here's what you have to be reminded of. 40 days, 40 nights, every morning, every night, Goliath speaks. And this is how you know, by the way, what your Goliath is. It's the thing that dominates your thought. That's your Goliath. It's the, you wake up thinking about it, you go to bed thinking about it. That's your Goliath. So even right now you're going, oh, okay. This is good news because it can fall. It's the thing that keeps you up at night. It's the thing that constantly speaks into your life. And here's what he did for 40 days, 40 nights. He went out with his usual taunts. You, you got to know this. Your enemy, he knows what he needs to say to discourage you. See, your battle is not my battle. Your taunt is not my taunt. I've got my own. But the enemy knows exactly what to say to us to discourage us. So he goes out every morning. First thing Israel heard in the morning, Goliath. And every night, last thing they heard before they went to bed, Goliath. So what does David do? When he walks on the battle line, the first thing he does is he starts talking. Because you have to speak to it. You have to speak the promises of God over your life. If, if you were here Tuesday night or you, or you streamed with us Tuesday night, you, that's how we prayed every prayer. I didn't just make up prayers. We went to the word. We opened the Bible. We read the Bible. And then we prayed the Bible. You've got to speak the promises of God. David spoke an opposing word. So Goliath said, I'm going to kill you and feed you to the birds. David spoke an opposing word. No, I'm actually going to kill you and feed you to the birds. Isn't that awesome? It sounds a little immature, but I love it. It's awesome. And he goes, but you're, you're going to do this with the strength of the sword and spear and javelin. I'm going to do this with the name of, of my God. And he begins to speak an opposing word. So whatever that, that taunting word is that you're obsessing about, you've got to find an opposing word to declare over it. So if it's fear, you've, you've got to speak words and promises of love and faith over your life. 
If it's sickness, you've got to declare healing. If it's, if it's lack, you've got to declare provision. If it's, if it's sin, you have to declare freedom and truth and, and righteousness. And you find promises and you, you speak an opposing word against the enemy that is opposing you. Giants speak, giants are relentless, and giants are consistent. Therefore, Christians have to speak, Christians have to become relentless, and Christians have to become consistent. Declare the promise, not just the problem. Declare the possibility, not just the need. And declare what God has said, not just the issue. If we have a speaking enemy, and we do, then we must be a speaking people. Declaring the promises of God. And I say this and you go, I don't even know where to start. But this is why your relationship with the word is so important. See, in John 8, Jesus said, you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. A lot of of Christians know that. They don't know the verse before it. Because the verse before it, Jesus said, you have to hold to my teachings. Hold my teachings. And once you hold my teachings, you'll know the truth. You cannot know something unless you hold it. You will not know something unless you prioritize it. 40 days and 40 nights, Israel's under the influence of Goliath. 40 days and 40 nights, David has been worshiping. David has been tending the fields. David has been doing what he does. The, the battle, before he ever threw that stone, he already had the victory because of the words out of his mouth. And you have to hold the teaching. You have to hold the word. You have to embrace the word of God. And once you hold it, then you know it. And once you know it, it makes you free. And we have to declare the promise again. In our prayers, in our worship, over our children, over our families, over our future, we begin to declare the promises of God. He begins to declare the promises of God, and there's victory. And so my challenge to you, let me me have the keys come up. i got to wrap it up. As, as, As we enter into these 10 days as a church... I want to challenge you to begin to declare. I want to challenge you to begin to rehearse. And I want to challenge you to focus on the promises of God and the kingdom of God and what God has for you. Because my life will eventually begin to follow the direction of my focus. It will begin to repeat what I rehearse. And it will begin to come into alignment with what I declare. Let me say that one more time, but I think I already forgot. (laughs) My life over time is eventually going to go in the direction of my focus. I'm going to start repeating what I rehearse. And then my life is going to start following what I declare. Not, not in 10 minutes, not in 24 hours, but my my life begins to go this way. My life is going in the direction of my focus. 
as I, re, as I rehearse the promises of God, as I rehearse the goodness of God, as I rehearse my testimony, gratitude rises and ingratitude is driven out of my life. Complaining is driven out of my life. Fear and doubt and unbelief is driven out of my life. And that sense of gratitude will begin to unlock the promises of God. The faithfulness of God, the provision of God, the restoration of God. Giants still fall. Giants still fall. And you have that heckling thing that that talks to you every morning and talks to you every night. I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, you don't have to live with that forever. I said you don't have to live with that forever. And I'm just believing there's going to be there's going to be some real victory stories that come out of this year. Like I believed the lie that Goliath would be with me forever. I, be, I believed I believed that I would have to deal with this secret giant forever. No, giants still fall. Father, I thank you for your wisdom today. Thank you for your instruction today. I, I pray in Jesus' name that even over these 10 days to come, that you would give us divine strategy, encouragement, faith, courage, and boldness to, to step out and walk in everything you have for us. I pray that over these 10 days, your presence would be so real and rich in the lives of your people. Undeniable wisdom, undeniable leading, undeniable encouragement. Thank you, Lord, that you strengthen your people now. Thank you that giants still fall. Just with no one moving or looking around in this sacred space of prayer, if you're here today and you would say, Jabin, I've, I've never given my life to Christ and I need to do that. I need, a, I need forgiveness of sin. I need a new beginning. Or, you know, at one time I was walking with God and serving God, but I've walked away from God and I need to come home. If that's you, I want to just lead you in a prayer right now to place your faith in Christ here in the room, people watching online in detention centers as well. And you know you need the Lord today. Pray this prayer with me. Everyone out loud is going to pray it, but it's going to mean so much for you to pray. All together, let's say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. and I believe you rose again. I give you my life. And I declare... Jesus is Lord of my life. 